0: Thank you for listening to the Peapod from the Somerset Safeguarding Children Partnership. Please note, due to the nature of this podcast, themes relating to the abuse and neglect of children are discussed, with the content being designed for an adult audience for educational purposes in order to protect children from harm. Therefore, listener discretion is advised and the content unsuitable for children.
1: Welcome to the Peapod.
0: Right. Hello and welcome, everybody, to the Pod, the partnership podcast from the Somerset Safeguarding Children Partnership. Uh, Now, as you know, as part of these podcasts, we're really keen to explore all aspects of the partnership in relation to safeguarding children. And um, we're really keen today to uh, talk to to Jaden, who we've got in the studio with us today, uh, talking to us about safeguarding in midwifery. So, Jaden, welcome along. Good to see you.
1: Hi, Steve. Thank you for having me.
0: No, absolute pleasure. So um, so thanks for taking part in this because we we are really keen to kind of uh, look at all aspects of safeguarding and, and I think quite often when we think about safeguarding we tend to think about children's social care, um, maybe the police sometimes, but actually understanding safeguarding runs throughout all aspects of, of um, any roles within working with children. Um, so we're really keen to kind of talk about midwifery today, if that's okay. And I, I believe in in your role, am I right in thinking your title is a, a vulnerable women's midwifery? Mid- if I can get my words out, a vulnerable women's wi- no, I can't say it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, do you want do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Um so yeah, I, I work well we are called Ren Team, that's our overall team name. Um and we kinda of call ourselves complex care Midwife. Some people call us vulnerable women's midwife, some people call us safeguarding midwife. We've got a few different different names, people got different preferences, but but generally a complex care midwife. Um so we're basically the safeguarding team for maternity is the best way to describe us.
0: Brilliant. Lovely. So it's um so in terms of kind of you and your, your journey, how long have you been doing this for?
1: Uh, so I've been a midwife for three and a half years now, and I've been in Ren team for just coming up to a year now. So not, not hugely long.
0: Okay. All right. So, so what, what got you into this, this sort of line of work?
1: Oh wow, I never would have imagined being in this kind of role when I first started my training as being a midwife I never really considered safeguarding as part of it really um, and I moved to community a couple of years ago and in community it's quite a large part of our roles, we're getting to know families in the antenatal period and seeing them at home and we can kind of detect those vulnerabilities a little bit more in that community setting um, and we get a lot of support from Ren when you're a community midwife because we get involved in care planning for families with extra vulnerabilities and I Uh, I used to not enjoy safeguarding in the slightest. Um, I really didn't enjoy it. And that was a confidence thing. I felt it was a bit intimidating almost of not knowing what to do and how to approach things. Um, Over time, my confidence really really grew and then this role came up for joining REN team and some of the managers were really encouraging me I thought oh, I couldn't imagine anything worse I was doing safeguarding full-time <laughs> um, but actually as, as I grew to love it I thought you know what? I'll give it a go and I am I'm so pleased I really really love this role it's absolutely fantastic. Brilliant.
0: Thank you I and mean, it, it is challenging isn't it? But oh I, yes absolutely. I think that's part of the part of the challenge of it, part of the joy of it is yeah. being able to make that difference.
1: Absolutely, yeah. for sure. And I've got a wonderfully supportive team and that makes a huge difference. That's very necessary in these kind of roles.
0: Brilliant. And and in terms of the, the REN team then, uh, that's sitting within uh, the SFT, the Somerset Foundation Trust?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we've got midwives that are originally part of Yeovil and part of Musgrove. And obviously we've merged into Somerset FT and we work all across um, Somerset that the area Somerset FT covers.
0: Thank you. So... If we can get stuck into to the role itself, um, so what, what sort of role does a complex care midwife play in safeguarding children? And, and how importantly, sort of how does that differ from other healthcare professionals involved in child protection?
1: So we've got um, a couple of different kind of roles that we have within complex care midwifery. So part of it is that we caseload, so we care for women who meet certain criteria. So for example, women who are homeless or um, are drug users, particularly things like you know, cocaine and heroin, or women just with generally extra vulnerabilities or who are a bit younger. So part of that is providing them with continuity and home visits to make care more accessible for them. The other part of our role is supporting the midwifery team. So we we call it triaging. So So whenever um, a midwife has any safeguarding concerns or vulnerabilities about a family, they they put in a form just to give us a little bit of background on what's going on. And we basically make an agreed plan of what we think would be helpful to support this family. Mm. Um, And also every um, working day, so Monday through Friday, minus bank holidays, we ring round the inpatient wards and just see if they've got any concerns of cases that may have come up. Because, of course, the wards get things like domestic violence disclosures and things like that. So we have quite a few different small roles within being a complex care midwife. Um, And I think it's very, very unique, the role that we play within safeguarding children, because in in most cases, say for health or police, they're attending a child, that they can see how well their needs are being met. They can see, are they being looked after? Are they being fed? Are they meeting their milestones? Whereas for us, a lot of the risks are very theoretical. Right. Um, I mean, there are cases where we know that unborn babies are having harm done to them. For example, um, if they're being exposed to cocaine or domestic abuse in the mother, we know that does harm a baby. Mm. But otherwise, it's kind of looking at a vulnerable family and going, well, do we think that we can meet the needs of your child almost? So that's That can be quite tricky of, of knowing... It's just also theoretical looking into the future rather than looking at a child that's not being cared for and and that can be quite complex and, and tricky to manage sometimes
0: yeah yeah absolutely and and I, and there's always a keen focus in there about getting the the voice of the child absolutely so when you're talking about unborn babies, mm-hmm. I know how how do you do that? How do you sort of think about the the voice of the child within that?
1: I always think of it very literally, of thinking of, of what does a baby need. And I think about it of both unborn and, and when they will be born. Um, so for example, I say if an unborn baby could talk for themselves, they'd want to grow in a womb that isn't being exposed to um, drugs or a, a womb that isn't full of um, adrenaline because the mum's being abused or because there's a risk of there being a, a hit to the abdomen and hurting them in that way. Um, and I also talk about theoretically of when that baby is born. And um, for example, if mum is, hasn't got a home and she's sofa surfing, then I'll say, well, i, I A baby would want a warm environment, a stress-free environment where they're safe to grow up without being worried about where they will be living. So it's it's all very literal and theoretical.
0: Yeah, but like you say, it's important. And and I think and so what? What sort of situations do you see? And you've you've mentioned domestic abuse there and and drug and alcohol use. And what what are sort of some of the common sort of situations that require your your involvement?
1: Gosh, it's a a huge range. If I'm honest, there's a lot of kind of lower level stuff that we we do in, in a triaging sense of things of the forms that come in of, of families that have extra vulnerabilities, particularly around perhaps parents who are, are mentally unwell but are still able to meet the needs of their baby, but we need to make sure that they're, they're really well supported. Mm. Within my actual role of, of caseloading, I mean, the other most common scenario is people who unfortunately have had very difficult childhoods themselves and that is kind of uh, transpired into them struggling to have a bit of a stable lifestyle and therefore how they'll meet the needs of their baby can be very tricky. If, if you haven't been... Parented well as a child, your template of how to be a parent then is, is very tricky and very different. Mm. So, that's the other very common scenario where we get involved caseloading is people that can't meet their needs of a child for, for that kind of reason.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, I do talk quite often in, in training that I deliver about this kind of expectation that we have of once you become a parent. You suddenly know how to be parenting, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know what that looks like. You know what you've got to do, but but I think it's an important point you raised in in terms of actually, we we kind of receive that either from our experiences and sort of that our experiences around us of sort of other parents as well and learning from that. Whereas if you haven't had that as part of your experience of, of growing up it, it's very very difficult isn't it
1: absolutely and the families we look for the first, sorry look after the, the vast majority of them are very very keen to they they say to me i want my child to have a different life i don't want them to experience what i experienced growing up and and what they're giving is often so much better than what their parents are giving and it's giving them the right support to be able to keep on growing and learning and for them to understand really what what a good parent looks like but then also what's very tricky is what is a good parent there's no one way to parent that's that's right there's lots of different right ways to parent your child but it's just giving them the ability to safely meet their need and their child's needs and also look after themselves as well
0: yeah no brilliant thank you so and what what are some of the sort of common signs or red flags that might indicate that uh, a family might need your involvement your support
1: God, I think that's, that's a really tricky question to answer in our, our role. Because I, I guess to say if you were interviewing a health visitor for this reason, they won't say, oh, a child not meeting their milestones or a child not gaining weight. Whereas for us, the vast majority of the care we give is in pregnancy. We're often only involved for a couple of weeks after birth, where perhaps there might be issues with babies not being fed or changed enough and things like that. Um, and for us, really, it's history. Um, but, but more very recent history, shall we say? Because, you know, we have lots of families who come in who may have had a, a very historical involvement in, in drugs and they've been clean for several years, and we celebrate that. And we go, Great, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to now care and look after your baby, doing a great job at making some amazing improvements. And people who say on the methadone program are doing absolutely amazing work. Mm. Um, so I guess it's people who are, are currently involved in, I don't know if chaotic is quite the right word, because that sounds a bit judgmental, but uh, just a, a lifestyle that perhaps isn't very. Um, calm and they struggle with housing and family relationships and mm. um and just things like that. But it's such a wide range of things that can be a red flag as such, but yet there's not anything in particular. It's it's a lot of different things.
0: So so within your work then, I'm sort of picking up that, that multi-agency working is, is really crucial. Oh, absolutely. Um in first, I guess like you're saying, partly around identifying families that might might need your support if there's drug and alcohol services involved or domestic abuse services. Um, what, What sort of services do you work with?
1: Gosh, everybody and anybody. Um, so we often get emails from GP surgeries when a, a woman falls pregnant and they feel particularly worried. They'll say, oh, we want to make you aware that this family does have a history. You think they'll need extra support in caring for their baby. Um, like, say, drug and alcohol services. We work very closely with mental health teams. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of people who've had these very traumatic upbringings themselves, they do tend to have lifelong mental health problems as a result of that that are processing that trauma. So they, a lot of um, the women we care for do have mental health services involved. Um, um, children's social services, family intervention service, health visiting we work very close with. Um, I work very close with schools actually because I, I at the moment have a lot of under 18s on my caseload. So a lot of them are at school still. So I work very closely with schools and colleges. So just everybody anybody involved in the family we are keen to work closely with. And if nothing else it's for the benefit of those parents as well, because having all these professionals involved can become very messy and complicated. And we go, oh, well, what does the mental health team say when you last saw them? Or what are schools saying? So if we could all just get together and, and work together, it's often a lot less stressful for the parents as well.
0: Yeah, and having that joined up approach is so crucial. Absolutely. Isn't it? And, and everybody having a role to play within that. Yes. Um, and not feeling like everyone's got to be a specialist in all areas because there are there are specialist agencies out there. Yes, as Okay. So can you, could you explain to us kind of, it's an, it's a difficult area of work um, in terms of what you do. And I'm sure there are kind of many uh, sort of challenges and barriers that you often encounter. Um, How do you sort of overcome some of those difficulties, some of those challenges for yourselves and, and kind of really work to effectively safeguard children?
1: I think part of it is within our role trying to provide that continuity and build trust with parents. Um, A lot of parents that we look after and again it's not all but just a a good amount of them can be quite wary of professionals either because they've had children removed from their care before for example or because growing up they've had a lot of judgment or discrimination perhaps or because the way their parents taught them um, of how to act professionals and it can be very very tricky to get parents to engage as a result in return to services, particularly if we've done a referral to children's social care, that can draw a lot of trust away from that kind of professional relationship. So for me, it's almost like being this um, persistent and also consistent person in their life that I will be here, I will be turning up at this time and if I don't hear from you, I'll still turn up and knock on your door. I've got my phone, I work days, set hours, if I'm ever on annual leave, I'll tell you if I'm off. Mm. So people know what to expect from me. I make that very clear from the minute that I, I meet them of, of this is when you can expect to get hold of me. And it's just just building that trust because ultimately the more a, a mother in with maternity care, the more care her child's going to get and therefore the safer it is from the child from, from the get-go. So it's definitely just building that rapport and that trust with families as much as possible and being very candid as well mm-hmm. about why I've referred you to children's social care and why I want you to have this support and what I'm worried about. I, I always tell my families... I will tell you if I'm worried about something unless I really, really can't because there's some sort of, sort of um, dangerous reason, which is very, very unusual. I'll always tell you what I'm thinking, what I'm worried about, what I'm feeding back to to social workers. And what I'd really appreciate is if you tell me what you're worried about and what you're thinking, because Mm. that's really important.
0: Yeah. I I think sometimes there's a real fear of, of being honest with parents, Mm -hmm. uh, with, with people and and worries if, if I say this, this is going to go horribly wrong. And, um, You know, I I know firsthand it's not always easy to do that. But actually, uh, I always sort of try and personalise it and think: actually, how do I, how do I want to be treated? How how do I want people to work with me? And and actually, we know over and over again, families will say we just want people to be open and honest with us.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's about professionals asking questions as well, because I think. I've come across lots of midwives and carers and things who feel very awkward asking certain questions and if we've got, say for example, um, we're very concerned about domestic violence but we're not getting a disclosure from that woman I'll say, have a really frank conversation say to them, look because of this I'm a little bit more worried and these things are leading me to feel concerned that perhaps you're being abused by someone. And I'll say you're either going to get two scenarios, you're either going to get a woman who isn't being abused and we'll just kind of brush it off and go, oh well but I'm glad they're asking people because that's really important. Or you're getting a woman who is being abused and she's probably going be very grateful even if she doesn't disclose still but she can be so grateful that you're really trying to give her that space to disclose to you yeah. and you're not going to get a horrible terrible reaction from that people are often very like oh okay no i understand why you're asking that but no that's not for me or, or yes that is to do with me
0: and it, so in and i'm just thinking in terms of involving and you've, you've talked a bit there about sort of involving parents and caregivers in that in that process in that conversation I and mean, how how do you kind of involve parents and, and caregivers um in the sort of the the with those kind of really sensitive or complex situations. How do you kind of approach that?
1: I always say to people that your voice is really important. You're, you're this baby's mother and father. Your voice is the most important voice here. It? And also it's the one that can sometimes get very lost when we've got lots of professionals involved. And I think it's just giving them that space to say, look, this is what we're worried about. How do you feel about that? And and being able to talk to them one-on-one as well, because when we've got these big meetings lots of people, it can feel incredibly intimidating. So giving them a choice to express those um, thoughts and voices independently. And actually with... with um, if we've got a child under child protection um, uh, under um children's social care child protection, when we do our conference reports, part of that report that you write is asking the parents about their views. You give them the report and you um, allow them to feed that back to you. And I, I just always make it very clear to them that it can feel very hard to say, I don't agree with this when you've got children's social services involvement, because it can always feel like you want to be on the perfect straight and narrow and, and just agree with everything everyone's saying. But you don't have to. Your voice is so important.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone playing a, a, a role within mm. it. And that's the whole point of a, of a child protection conference. It's the whole point of a child protection plan is to, to make sure we get everyone's voice in that. Absolutely. So, brilliant. Thank you. I know I'm just sort of picking up and around and sort of working with, with parents. Um, there's also been quite a large focus on engaging better with fathers and, and male carers, um, certainly over the last few years. Um, I think one of the things coming out from a lot of the national reviews that have taken place is uh, around non-accidental injury mm-hmm. to very, very young babies, um, largely, not solely, but largely perpetrated by fathers and male carers. Um, and I know there's been quite a focus on this over the last few years. So I'm just wondering if, if you were able to kind of explain some of the work that's taken place within midwifery, sort of improve that area of, of engaging with fathers better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of midwives are much more keen to get fathers involved, get in the appointments. For, for myself and a complex care team, I do a lot of work around um, giving birth and all the options you have and then parenting afterwards. And I, I really encourage partners to come along to that and play a really good role involved in that. Um, and, you know, they're just as important as the mother in a scenario when it comes to parenting their child. We've got a lot of resources out there now for um, the ICON campaign, which focuses around those non-accidental injuries and um, coping with a crying baby, because what we know is... that. Um, um, often around these on accidental injuries it's a baby that's persistently crying and unable to settle and we are really really encouraging of midwives to tell this to both parents and wait for an opportunity where both parents are there and talk to them about it together because you're, you're a team in that scenario if one of you is feeling very frustrated about your baby if the other one's feeling calm then brilliant you can hand that child over or if you're both feeling frustrated for you to both recognise and step back and go okay we pop baby down and just walk away once they're safe walk away for a few minutes and calm down um, and we've got brilliant work um, with the material voices Partnership. I believe we are talking to Donna in a podcast coming up. Absolutely, yeah. and, and they're doing Dad's Breakfast to try and bring um, Dad's Breakfast Club to try and bring dads together a little bit more. Um, and we have got some more resources. Um, so one really good one that I love is something called Dad DadPad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that focuses on just uh, really simple resources about meeting your child's needs and how you can get more involved in caring for a child as a father, including if your partner's breastfeeding, for example. Um, but I mean, being entirely honest, there's a lot more out there, but uh, we of how short-staffed and and cash-strapped NHS is, there isn't enough. There still isn't enough um, to to really get dads much more involved than that. But it's certainly a brilliant improvement. But we could always do a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's always the always the sort of uh, the message, isn't it? Mm. Is uh, there's always more to do, which is uh, always which is great. Yeah, there's always more to learn, always more to do, isn't there?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Lovely, thank you. Um, uh, in terms of in terms of the kind of situations you you face, I mean, obviously. Um, Every family situation is different. Um, There are lots of dynamics going on, often very complex situations going on. Um, Are there any kind of unique kind of ethical dilemmas or considerations that arise when working with, with complex care families in relation to safeguarding children?
1: No, I Absolutely, think so. I think what can be quite odd within my role, particularly as I mentioned earlier, I look after um, quite a few young mums at the moment, and if they weren't having a baby, they would be treated as a child themselves. Mm. And all of a sudden, we're thrusting them into the world of, of being um, an adult in, all, you know, from the view of a court and of a view from children's social services. And we now have their their baby that we're worried about, and it just plays quite a unique role around consent and understanding. And don't get me wrong, I have some sixteen year olds that are are absolutely bright as anything, they're so on it, they're really understanding they do loads of research, loads of looking up and then you have some people who particularly if their education was poor growing up can really struggle to understand the processes going on around them Mm. Um, and that can feel feel very, very difficult. And then, of course, we have, it's slightly separate from safeguarding, but consent around childbirth and pain relief. And of course, they, they are consenting people. It's just very unique that in any other scenario, you'd probably have a parent or carer involved in those things. They don't have to once they're, they're pregnant with a baby. Um, and we also equally look at lots of ladies with learning disabilities. And I, I not long ago looked at a lady with, with quite profound learning disabilities. And it it was very hard for her to fully understand and what was going on And it it then made it harder for us to understand what she understood about caring for a baby, and if she felt that she could meet her baby's needs. Um, So it can be quite unique the way that pregnancy causes, makes you treat people when outside of it they would be treated very differently.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, like uh, there are lots of complex situations on there, Mm. and 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 I think um, you you know you you just talked there about um, about people with learning difficulties mm. actually sometimes there's a there's a view of like well they shouldn't be parents you know they can't be, possibly be good a, a good parent but actually you know with the right support and the right education actually I've known some some fantastic parents with learning difficulties who who do an amazing job
1: oh absolutely yeah absolutely there's no reason why they can't parent their child it's just having that right support in place like you say um and what can be quite difficult is um so i've carefully do we recently, for example with quite profound learning disabilities who also had no support network around her and had a very difficult childhood and then that can be hard about how do we manage that support for the rest of your you and your your child's life together mm. but there's no reason that without the right support that she can't learn to be the most wonderful mother
0: yeah absolutely i'm, I'm actually I just want to pick up from what you were saying around support networks mm-hmm. and I, I think we need to acknowledge we're, we're in a period of time at the moment where we are coming out from, well, we're, we're out of the, the COVID lockdown restrictions. Um, and and I'm just wondering kind of whether you've seen sort of much of a difference um, over the last few years, sort of going from uh, through the, the pandemic period and the restrictions around that um, to, to sort of things now, now that we're coming out from that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I think, like I say, support's one of the biggest things. Uh, The rate of night central injuries in Somerset we know increased over lockdown. And I think uh, being caught at home all day with the same people must have been very, very difficult for for some people. In fact, I think for a lot of people, whether you had a baby or not, that was a very, very difficult time. Um, I think what we're also seeing is, um, well, professionals weren't around in the same way. Home visits changed massively. Um, A lot of people weren't visiting people's homes. And of course, that means that we've had families who have required support, but that support hasn't been given to them during that time because we didn't necessarily know what was going on behind closed doors. And one thing that's really important about midwifery is we do home visiting after a baby's born. And if we have any concerns, we offer it before birth. And um, we often offer it before birth for other reasons as well, like home birth assessments or because our clinics are full. But we only really do it if we've got extra ways want to see what the home environment is like. And that can really help us to understand the dynamics around a family of what's going on. And, you know, sometimes I hear about um, families being very, very overcrowded. So, for example, I'm, I'm looking after a family at the moment who I think there's six of them in a two-bedroom home. Right. Uh, it's incredibly squished. But then I went to their home and they're making it work amazingly. It's not a long-term solution, but they've done a fantastic job of, of moving moving this house around and it's working absolutely brilliantly for them at the moment. So not having that insight during lockdown has mm. been much more tricky. And it can often be very hard for people to come in and say, my home environment isn't okay. It's not right. It's not clean enough. It's not it's it's not right. Or um, I haven't got enough that I need for my child. It can be very hard to admit that to professionals. So having someone come in and see those things can often be much easier for us to understand the needs of a family.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I'm just... And just to just to kind of round things off a little bit, I, I just think, um, and we talked earlier about there's always improvements we can make. There's always learning we can we can sort of gain. I'm just wondering, in, in your experience, what what are some of the sort of key changes or improvements that that could be made in the field of, of safeguarding children in complex care situations, um, and kind of what what role midwives can play in really kind of driving those changes forward.
1: Well, my first answer isn't very specific to midwives, but it's just got to be we need more time and money Mm -hmm. (laughs) in maternity. Like all, well, in all safeguarding services, really. I mean, there are many occasions where we give the midwives a plan for a family and say, this is what would be great. This is what this family would need for support. And the family would really appreciate that support as well when you offer it to them. But having the time to actually implement that plan, is just not there. The midwives are very, very stretched, particularly out in community settings. And that's where a lot of safeguarding really takes place. Um, And even in, say, for example, in, in inpatient, Settings as well. We have difficulties of women coming in, exposed in domestic violence, and then wards are just incredibly, incredibly busy. And the midwives finding it really hard to prioritise things. And then again, things can get glossed over, and right support isn't offered. So on a wider level, I'm sure everybody that comes here has probably a similar thing. I would absolutely love there to, to be be more funding. I mean, the, the biggest thing is, I think, confidence and training. Okay. of midwives knowing what questions to ask and what to do when they get those questions answered. And I think often not knowing what to do is a bigger issue because I think sometimes midwives feel a little bit apprehensive to ask a question in case the answer is, oh, yes, actually, I'm restructuring my mental health, I'm restructuring my baby, and I'm, I've got suicidal thoughts, or yes, I am being abused, or yes, I am using drugs... Then for them to then not the next steps are not knowing that can feel very scary and it can feel very silly sometimes when you stood there going, Well, I'm not actually sure what I'm meant to do, mm. and, and that's that's no kind of I'm, I'm not at all uh, trying to criticise those midwives on the, on the ground floor. Their job is primarily caring for women in a more physical, in you know, in, in giving birth, things like that. They don't deal with these things every day, and that's when you can kind of forget the processes. But that would be the, the biggest thing is just building those midwives' confidence to to help them and giving them the time to then follow through on those plans and things that need to happen.
0: Brilliant, Jaden. Thank you so much for your time today it's been really really interesting kind of talking about the the role that you do um i'm just wondering if, if anybody wanted to find out more about um about midwifery in somerset or uh, specifically with about the wren team how could they find out more
1: uh, we do have a little page on the Somerset um, FT website. If you look up um, maternity page, we do have a little segment that has run team on it of a little bit more about us. And also some contact details if you ever wanted to get in contact. We, we do have families get in contact and actually say, oh, um, someone I know is is pregnant and I think they could do with your support. We're, we're always happy to get emails from people if they ever have any questions or they're ever worried about something they want to tell us about.
0: Thank you so much, Jane. It's been brilliant talking to you today, and really appreciate uh, taking the time to come out here and and uh, and go through the work you do, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. So, thank you so much. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, yeah, we look forward to, to catching up with you again sometime.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Jane. It's been brilliant. Thank Cheers you. In. Take Bye. care. Bye. As always, we hope you found today's episode informative. If you'd like to find out more on any of the topics discussed in today's episode, please go to the SSCP website, somersetsafeguardingchildren.org.uk, as well as clicking on any of the links contained in the description. If you have any questions arising from today's episode, or would like to be involved in a future podcast recording, we'd love to hear from you by emailing us at theppod at somerset.gov.uk. My thanks again to our guests for joining me in the studio today, and to you for listening. And we look forward to you joining us again next time at the Peapod.
1: Let's work together to help keep children safe.